0: hello everyone and welcome to the australian bitcoin podcast i hope you had a great christmas and a great new year so we'll do another news recap episode reviewing the news for december uh, we've got alex here with me alex Hi, everyone um, yeah how you how was your christmas and your holiday
1: that was great i've just been in japan for three weeks so i've just gotten back um had a great time dodged some earthquakes dodged a plane crash uh but otherwise yeah had a great time
0: okay yeah dodged an airplane what do you mean it was oh, it was a oh on the air crash yeah there are yeah, a
1: couple yeah, of tragedies yeah, yeah. yeah so mm-hmm. it was a, a large plane crash fortunately uh it seems like nearly everyone got out which is pretty astounding really um but yeah, I guess we'll learn more about that uh, as the air crash investigation happens. And then there was also a major earthquake while I was in Japan as well. But luckily, I was in Tokyo at the time, so I was pretty far away from uh, where, where it all launched off.
0: Yeah. I think you, you were visiting your friend, did you say?
1: Yeah, I have a friend up at the snow. So got some got some snow time in, traded some fresh power. Um, and then, yeah, also just did a bit of touring around. I haven't seen much of Japan before, so it's really good.
0: Yeah. Was that your first time in Japan?
1: Oh no! I've been I've been to Tokyo once before, but it was my first time sort of getting around and seeing, like the wider, wider I guess outside of Tokyo.
0: Yeah, I've never been, and um, it's. I think everybody wants to go to Japan. It's one of those places that's very unique and very interesting.
1: Yeah, it's got a specific culture. I, it's actually um, I saw on the news it's uh, it's overtaken Bali as the number one destination for Australians at the at the moment. So no, I don't no. Know, they're obviously marking themselves perfectly.
0: I think Bali is going downhill. Like if you, it's just getting more and more overcrowded. It's going downhill, I think Bali.
1: But it was still good. I enjoyed our trip. Mm.
0: Yeah, like and how how was the the skiing? I've I've only once skied once in my life. I really enjoyed it, but I'm a beginner. But yeah, I heard. But apparently, in Japan, it's got some of the best skiing.
1: Yeah. Well. but when I went previously, I went to Tokyo and then out to the snow and that was my trip. And, uh, it was, it was epic. This time it was maybe a bit early. So we're at the snow in a, a town called Miyoko. Uh, and it was literally the, f- we got there for the first snow of the season. It was like the, the day they decided to open the chairs. So, uh, it was really awesome because it was all fresh snow, but it was, wasn't, there wasn't a lot of depth to it. Um, I mean, it doesn't affect me too much cause I'm not a, like, I'm not an awesome rider aboard, but you know, I'm happy with blue and black like groomed, groomed runs i'm not i'm not like looking for like the crazy off-pist stuff
0: yeah right um yeah for myself i went on a houseboat with family with my uh, parents and my sister and i really enjoyed a houseboat on the river and yeah i really enjoyed it i always wanted to go on a houseboat and it was like my first time and
1: most importantly did you catch any carp
0: yeah, I did catch carp. Uh, yeah, heaps yeah. of carp. Yeah, did you take heaps the marshmallows? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't take the marshmallows. It was, uh, it was better this time because, like, I was last time when I got because uh, of course who don't know I choked before I was fishing. I, I ate some carp and I had a fish bone stuck in my throat. But this time because it was on the boats, so I could see the light and like, I could I had lights. So I could watch what I'm eating. So I, I didn't have I didn't choke on the fish bones. But yeah, like caught a lot of carp. Caught a few other fish. Got some uh, catfish, which we had to return, and like a Murray River perch, um, which we returned also. But mostly uh, carp. But yeah, it was good because you can just go like jumping into the water from the boat. Uh, it was really nice. Like the water is very warm, and you can have like a barbecue with the uh, cliffs of the Murray River in the background, and you got everything on the boat. So like with family and had my young kids it's like very easy and very convenient and uh, yeah it was very fun
1: yeah it's beautiful yeah, yeah yeah for everyone listening that's the magic button if you're ever checking
0: on a fish burn marshmallows yeah that's right If, you, if you're yeah that's correct yeah that's the secret um yeah and after that like for uh, new year's eve i didn't do anything for new year's eve again because of young children but um early on new year's day i went uh uh, because I was so excited about fishing after the houseboat, I went, I went like decided to go fishing on New Year's Day early in the morning, like 5 a.m. I go to the jetty here in Adelaide and I was thinking I'd be alone, but it was actually packed at 5 a.m., like first of January. Everyone's getting in there, the f- right first
1: fish of the year,
0: the- yeah, yeah. I was thinking like nobody would, everybody, I was thinking everybody's gonna be parking like on New Year's Eve, so it'd be empty, but no, it was packed, um, like uh, with people fishing, like heaps of people were fishing, so I wasn't the only one. But nevertheless, it was a very productive session for me. I got six car- crabs, six crabs, um, and one uh, one squid. Six crabs and one squid. So uh, I don't know. At least for me, I think it's gonna. It's a good sign. The year went off to a very good start. Very productive, very productive start of the year for me. So things are looking up. I'm very optimistic about the year.
1: Oh, uh, nice, nice. Actually, here's a question: Have you ever tried squidding pasta? That's um that's something I tried over in Japan, and I managed to get black squid ink everywhere. So and it doesn't rub off easily as well. It's a nightmare.
0: So a squid ink pasta.
1: Yeah, yeah, they like um like make make pasta and use like the squid ink. Oh, yeah, in the like squid ink. The yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. They use yeah, 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 uh, yeah. I'm not sure if I tried it, but yeah, I've heard of it. They use the squid ink in the sauce. Yeah, it gets it gets everywhere. Circuito. It gets yeah.
1: everywhere. Yeah, not yeah, not yeah, great yeah. when you're traveling with only a handful oh, yeah. of clothes.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess mm-hmm. yeah. That's. Or do all these weird stuff in Japan with the food? Anyway, should we should we get on to the news? I feel we yeah, let's the... do it.
1: Let's go straight in. I got a handful which I've kept secret and not revealed to you as yet. Um, so I think maybe the biggest one for December, uh, in my opinion, is actually the FASB accounting standards announcement. So FASB stands for Financial Accounting Standards Board, uh, and so they basically set the accounting standards for public companies in the US. And they've announced uh, that they will be officially adopting fair value accounting for Bitcoin uh, for fiscal years beginning after December 15, 2024 for companies in the US. Right, So it's not necessarily Australian specific news, but maybe Australian companies and regulators will follow uh, in the steps of the US. But uh, here's a quote from Michael Saylor. So this upgrade to accounting standards will facil- facilitate the adoption of Bitcoin as a treasury treasury reserve asset by corporations worldwide. Um, so he's previously said that fair value accounting is one of the necessary steps to propel Bitcoin to $5 million. Um, that's US dollars. And he says that that's a necessary step alongside a spot Bitcoin ETF, which we are expecting is imminent. And then also bank custody and lending against Bitcoin is collateral. Um, so what is fair value accounting? So it basically means that during the quarterly, annual, or sorry, quarterly and annual reporting that comp- public companies have to do um that they can list the value of the crypto assets they have at fair value um so they they can record gains or losses as net income even if they haven't sold them um so what's that companies yeah public companies yeah yeah. um so why is that that seems like just what you expect but crazily up until now um public companies in the US haven't been allowed to recognize gains right so they're only able to mark, mark down losses so I mean, to me, this is a big reason why you see Michael Saylor and Micro MicroStrategy is such a dominant company in adopting Bitcoin, is because Michael Saylor is the dominant shareholder. So he um he is the owner and I guess the manager or or director of the company. Whereas most public companies have ownership and control separated. And so that means that the the people who are running the company and making the decisions are not necessarily the owners. And so they're trying to justify themselves to the owners and When they're in a position where they can't recognize gains made by bitcoin in the quarterly or annual earnings they have a really really poor incentive to adopt bitcoin because they've got a lot of career risk in adopting bitcoin as the managers of the company and little incentive yeah so i think it's it's going to be very significant obviously it doesn't take effect until 2025 but i think companies can voluntarily start enacting it early
0: Okay, it. so I'm not an accountant, but so you, the way I understand this, it's basically the rules and what kind of infra, like the social infrastructure around Bitcoin, makes it easier for U.S. companies to hold Bitcoin, yeah. the kind of accounting standard. That's right. That's kind of like my takeaway. So, yeah, uh, that's that's a good sign, I guess. Yeah, probably we we'll see more and more companies follow Michael Seiler's macro strategies lead. Instead yeah. of adopting Bitcoin, and this makes it, it basically easier for them to hold Bitcoin.
1: It really changes the calculus, like the value calculus for people who are managing companies, but don't necessarily own the companies, which is the majority of public public companies. Um, so if you are, you know, the CEO or you're on the board of directors and you're considering a, a Bitcoin strategy, well, you, your, your job is really at risk if the shareholders don't understand why, you, why you're doing it and being able to mark gains. Against the company's balance sheet is sort of like pretty crucial.
0: That's good. That's uh, sorry, bullish news. Should yeah, go, like, very bullish uh, news. Very bullish then, news. Like yep. number goya. Yeah. Okay, I'll I'll go on to the next item if you're happy with that. Yeah. Um, so in Argentina, so we done an episode where uh, Javier Milei, the libertarian candidate, got elected, and Argentina repeals forced legal tender laws for contracts. For financial contracts. In a statement, Argentina's Minister of Foreign Affairs has confirmed the stance of embracing Bitcoin for contractual agreements. And I'm quoting now, she says, we ratify and confirm that in Argentina, contracts can be settled in Bitcoin and also any other crypto and or species such as kilo of steer or liters of milk. So that's, um that's the news what's your take
1: yeah it's good it's really good uh, it's what we expect from from Malay and the government under Malay like he's a Austrian economist so he's going to be looking to basically deregulate um, anything as the use of money and settling contracts is just one one use of money so yeah it's what we expect it's good to see uh, it's bullish
0: yeah so yeah my understanding is uh, basically, in most countries and in Argentina, financial contracts had to be done in the Argentine national currency, but now they can be settled and you financial contracts can use any currency, uh, including Bitcoin. So this isn't a specific Bitcoin, or it just means it's open, but they specifically confirmed that it, financial contracts can use Bitcoin. And obviously that's um, a good thing. Because related to this, I, I really believe um, that in a few years, maybe like 5, 10, 10 years, like a big part of Bitcoin will be international trade between countries. Right now, people use the US dollar for settling international trade. And I really believe that in like 5, 10 years, Bitcoin will be the kind of currency for certain international trade because with the US dollar, there's problems with inflation and with like sanction. If you look up how much sanctions there were, but the United States, you had like 20 years ago and now, and it's like infinite, like 10, 20 times more sanctions and like the thing is with voice sanctions it makes it less appealing because countries and individuals can use can use it because of all these sanctions all these rules so I really believe that in the future uh, Bitcoin uh, will be used for setting international trade and this is kind of um, allowing it to use for financial contracts it's like a step in that direction
1: yeah great. It's just the more that the US dollar gets weaponized, the more obvious it is that Bitcoin's a neutral uh, money for the world. On um, on the Malay government, there was also uh, another bit of news, which is that they basically asked people to declare their crypto for a lower tax rate. So it was a bit of, I saw some comments on Twitter and around the place and people weren't 100% sure what to make of it, whether it was you know, a bit of an attack or whether it's good think maybe well okay so firstly so the what the bill is so that it's a it's a new bill and it basically offers tax incentive uh tax incentives for those who declare crypto holdings uh regardless of the origin so it doesn't matter where you got it you can declare it and you can pay tax on it and it's legitimized so it's an asset regularization scheme allows taxpayers to legalize crypto holdings without having to document the origin so you get a 5 percent tax rate when declared by March 31st 2024 and then 15 percent if you're a little bit slow and declare by november 30 2024 um so i mean comparing to tax rates in australia that still seems like a pretty good deal i think maybe the best way to think about this is rather than an attack on bitcoin um it seems to really just be an amnesty for having evaded hyperinflation so if you if you use crypto to avoid the hyperinflation i think this is the way for the malay government is looking to to basically declare an amnesty the one angle where it might get concerning is if they require you to declare your public keys or um, start associating actual Bitcoin addresses with your identity.
0: Yeah, I read that uh, somebody, put, I was at the, at the Bitcoin meetup and somebody pointed out that to me yesterday. Yeah, so the way I'm, the way my understanding of it is that Argentina has a big black economy section and uh, this law says you, like when you declare your holdings, you don't have to declare what was the source of the income of those holdings. So my understanding is probably a lot of people in Argentina earn income and they don't declare it to avoid taxes and we put it in Bitcoin so you we know, put in Bitcoin so people specific so government doesn't see that the income that they received so this is kind of like trying to make the, it seems like kind of an amnesty where the government's trying to make people pay some of the taxes that we should be paying according to Argentine law, but at a lower rate, but like the declare the money they have and pay a lower tax. It's kind of that's how I read it. So our going next item I've got is cash in Australia. I think we touched on this in the last news, but this something else I wanted to bring up. So Michelle Balak, the governor of the Reserve Bank of Australia, said the share of payments made with cash in Australia fell from 70 percent in the year 2007 to just 13 percent in 2022. So it's probably even less than 13 percent. So basically it was a drop of 70 percent to to under 13 percent in like 15 years. So basically yeah cash is dying. We also said that three quarters of Australians are now seen as low cash users.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's crazy to think about. I definitely know that most of the people that I know, most of my friends probably they don't use cash. They don't use cash at all. So, I guess those numbers definitely they must be being propped up by a small a small minority of people.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's some kind of diehards who try to use cash. I, I try I use it 50/50 for ideological reasons. But I have to say, like it's a bit of a pain in the ass to be honest. Like yep. definitely like using the card and just like swiping and you, know, you press any of the reader and it just, you pay for it. And it's much easier when I'm getting cash. It's like, I'm getting it out and I have to put the coins and it's like the coins, for coins, coins fell fall out of my wallet and I have to pick it up on the floor. And it's just, it's like, it's definitely much, yeah, it's harder to use cash. I try to do it sometimes for yep. the logical reasons. No, I was going to say, the one benefit is sometimes when you get pay cash, sometimes the vendor, if it's like a small shop, they give you a bit of a discount. Like, uh, ah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. yeah,
1: Something that really stood out to me. So Japan is still a, like a completely cash-based economy. Like there's a handful of like large stores where you can play with card, but pretty much everything works on cash. Um, last time I was there, I don't think I was, I wasn't really into Bitcoin at the time. So it was like quite a while ago. And so I, I guess I didn't really think much of it, but this time I was really thinking, hard about just like how different it is like they don't have the huge surveillance infrastructure yeah quite interesting to be just back in a complete cash economy for the three weeks i was over there hmm. sure yeah, interesting. Because uh, you
0: think of japan as like a high-tech stuff like high-tech country you'd think would be using all these electronic payment methods yeah you know why, yeah you have any idea why it is why, why is- it is
1: it- uh to be honest no i i don't know why they have not really pulled up um, with digital payments as much and i I really get the vibe from japan that the like the high-tech narrative was really set in the 1980s and they haven't moved on a lot like there's some things there which are still pretty cool but yeah it's got a real 1980s blade runner vibe the whole
0: time yeah that makes sense yeah but like yeah whatever happens definitely cash is dying and it's probably gonna die in japan also soon enough because with the digital like people talk about like CBDCs, Central Bank Digital Currencies. But to be honest, like we already have that, like the Australian dollar is Central Bank Digital Currency and they can like survive with that, they can control. Like a lot of these measures are implemented right now because we're still kind of like in this transition period. But once everybody moves to like this electronic dollar, electronic cash, the government has control, Complete con- can completely see what you're doing because I mean like the banks, they have to report to the government um like implementing that with like kind of reporting systems within the current financial system would be trivial like from a technological point of view like over oh, if it's electronic dollar payments the government really has the ability to see what you do they can completely debunk you and like cut your life off like if you get if you get debunked you you be, won't be able to do anything mm. and so it's like a very scary future actually and um like really, Bitcoin is the only answer. And like, as, as even though some like hardcore fanatics might try to keep cash alive as long as they can, it's kind of like a die. It's like a fight that's going to be lost. And um,
1: yeah, it's it's a delaying. It's yeah. a delaying fight. It's not. Yeah, it's yeah. You're not yeah, gonna yeah. win. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's not. You can only delay it. You're not gonna win. But the, yeah, so I, I really think the only solution in that fight is Bitcoin. Like. Because Bitcoin actually does have a chance to win and you're not you're not fighting a losing war. You're fighting a fight. We actually we have a chance for it to work and like with cash. But that's all on that topic. Do, do you have anything else, Alex?
1: Yeah, I'll jump onto nothing nothing on that specifically. I'll jump onto a new topic. The last couple of days I've been reading through uh the and catching up on Bitcoin OpTech. So if you're not sure, if you're not aware, uh the Bitcoin Optech newsletter is like a technical recap of they do a sort of a monthly newsletter but specifically i was reading through the the year and review in review special so if i just wanted to shout out if you're looking to stay on top of sort of like the technical developments in bitcoin uh make sure you subscribe to bitcoin optech um their, their year in review was a massive summary of all the key developments in the bitcoin space in 2023 and then they also do like an audio recap on where they just discuss it on twitter spaces and i just yeah it's excellent and if if you if you ever encounter someone who says there's nothing happening in bitcoin there's no development in bitcoin uh d- direct them to bitcoin optech and they will be absolutely astounded
0: yeah yeah i i i like i follow it yeah bitcoin Optech. i'm i'm on that newsletter yeah it's kind of technical so it's only for people who are like more technical minded but yeah it's great it's like a great summary of bitcoin of what's happening in their newsletter so yeah if you're interested in technical information definitely sign up for bitcoin Optech.
1: We got two other actually i got two other sort of like semi-tech uh, pieces um so there was announcement by uh, Chaincode labs that they're running a, a bitcoin FOSS program uh the applications for that have closed they're only open until the 31st of december but that's now that's now starting i think it's starting in a week or two so it's a three-month program designed to provide professional feedback to get you off your fos zero so contributing to fos can feel lonely and intimidating intimidating and Chaincode Labs is uh, basically set up a no-cost program uh, to, to, to take people through that journey. The reason I bring it up is um, I, I did both of the Chaincode seminars last year. So they also run a, a Lightning Protocol Development and a Bitcoin Protocol Development Seminars where they talk through sort of like the technical conceptual side around Bitcoin and Lightning. Um, they're about six-week programs. They run twice a year. Um, and I I'd highly recommend them if you're interested in the technical side. Um, they're completely free. Uh, go check out Chenko Labs.
0: Yeah. and for those who don't know, for like free and open source software. So, so basically, it's like a course on how to contribute to free and open source software. Yeah, the, software? the one they've
1: just announced is it's sort of like the next level. So they've been running these seminars for free. Uh, they're about six weeks long on like the conceptual, technical side of of Bitcoin and Lightning. And now this this next course, which is a three month course, that they're offering. And I'm sure they'll be offering it subsequently again and again. Um, is to take people from that conceptual level to like how to actually make technical contributions to Bitcoin and lining.
0: Okay, yeah, great. And so yeah, I think I know there's many people I, I meet who are interested in working in Bitcoin. Just yesterday at the Bitcoin meetup again, there were some people with a technical background who were interested in working in the Bitcoin space and. Uh, doing like this kind of projects and contributing, I think is a really good way to kind of get into the space and from that pick up like pie work in the Bitcoin space.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If you're if you're interested in going down that pathway at all, definitely check out Chaincode Labs.
0: Okay. And um, so I'll move on if you're happy with that. And um so the next item I've got this was the this was like a ledger hack. Um so ledger being a bitcoin hardware wallet one of the most popular, popular as well yeah. Yeah, one of the most popular. Um it's especially popular with like crypto and shit Um with people who are interested in that stuff. And so they had a hack um from what I understand they if it so it was actually a real hack where people lost funds. from what I understand it was around half a million dollars, so not a huge amount. Half a million dollars was lost by people um and ledger has, from what I understand has said they'll refund refund the people who lost the money. but um yeah, so it was a hack and um yeah, Alex would like, yeah, what do you know, do you know much about this?
1: Um, I do not know a, a huge amount. From what I understand, it was something to do with um, apps, apps like like it wasn't the core, the core Ledger product. It was it was to do with the I don't know apps, apps on crypto. If so, if you're if you're playing around with DApps and shitcoins coins, then you're at risk. But yeah. if you are only using Bitcoin on Ledger, uh, then I, I think you are safe from this particular incident.
0: Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so if you were just holding Bitcoins on Ledger. Or even most most shitcoins, I think, like you, you were US safe. So the vulnerability has been fixed, it was only, there was only a small window of about forty minutes where this vulnerability was open, and um, and in, in any case, if you were holding Bitcoin, it wouldn't affect you. So it was basically um, some kind of JavaScript. Um, like connect, like some kind of connector library which connects to DApps, decentralized applications for shitcoins. coins. Um, so that library, which was written by Ledger, that connector library was compromised for a small period of time. So people only when they were using that library to connect to those DApps, they were vulnerable for that small window of time. I think like I, I look at these like, okay, again, what's the takeaway from here? And like, for me is it kind of proves the point that if you have like the more stuff you do, like with have coins and all these like features connecting to D apps and stuff like that, especially with like a hardware wallet, like your attack surface area becomes bigger and there's just more opportunity for things to go wrong. That's why if you're just, you know, holding Bitcoin on a hardware wallet keeping things very simple it's much more secure like if you're doing all these weird stuff there's just more opportunity for something to go wrong and Mm. to get hacked. that's kind of my one of my takeaways and um, the other takeaway i would say is like ledger has a bit of a history now of these kind of security incidents again like nothing major. i think if you're holding bitcoin on a ledger wallet i want to tell people like i still think it's better than holding it on exchange and it's still like a decent way to hold Bitcoin. If you're holding Bitcoin in cold storage using well, Ledger wallet, I think it's still decent. So I don't think people need to panic. But yeah, personally, like this, again, we have this, this a history of these kind of incidents. And I personally don't write Ledger that highly um, in terms of hardware wallets. Um, Like I would recommend people like Jide by Blockstream, Codecad, Bitbox. Do you agree with that, Alex?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, SeedSigner, maybe Foundation. Yeah, stick to Bitcoin only where possible. That'll be the safest option.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so Ledger, like there was a few years ago, they leaked, uh, they were hacked and they leaked uh, customers' physical addresses. Which is like a big vulnerability ex- exposing the customer's physical address. It's like a security vulnerability essentially. And you know, if a company that's supposed to be specializing in security, in security, for them to get hacked and leaked, the customer's like physical address is a bad sign. That was a few years ago, and now this, And there were a few other small incidents. And just looking at what company they. Like they have, they're very popular with the shitcoin people. But what's like that's what to me? Where focus seems to be at doing all these, it's it's perverse incentives. Like yeah,
1: there's so much so much money available to be rolled in through shitcoins that once you go down that path, it's I think it's going to be very difficult to turn back. Yeah, the, uh, the focus
0: until it all comes very much on it, Yeah, they focus very much on making it very easy to use, and it's kind of easy to use. But we also focus on making having all these capabilities for shit in terms of coins support. It's not, it's not like a coincidence, but the hardware wallet with the largest shit support probably has the worst track record of on security, right? Like is that a coincidence? I don't know. Um <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So I think it's all. So, just to conclude, in my opinion, it's still okay if you're holding Bitcoins on a ledger, but I personally don't write them as high as some of the other hardware wallets.
1: Do we want to beat down on Ledger just a bit more? Do you want okay, to talk sure. to the uh, the tracking? Oh, uh, I was saying, do you want to talk? Do you want to okay, talk? Okay, yeah, it? sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So,
0: there's, uh, so oh, okay. Yeah, another thing I forgot about, but thanks for reminding me. Yeah. But, yes, yeah, so another thing about Ledger, it's so somebody um, like analyzed the the code of a ledger live um application and um we ledger live is what you connect to with a hardware wallet and basically there's heaps of tracking code in there and basically they track it seems they track pretty much everything when, when you connect how long you connect to what kind of cryptocurrency you have how much you have it like the track over data for the users.
1: The um so the, the giveaway I mean this is only recent news that this one's analyzed the code but the giveaway that people have pointed out previously is ledger's always been very proud of the amount of cryptocurrency that their devices hold and people have always said hold on how do you know how much how much how much how do you know how much Bitcoin or your customers are holding on your devices and now we know
0: yeah right right yeah so the track of that stuff and apparently like you can turn the tracking off but it's on by default but there's an option to turn it off. Um yeah, Ledger is not my favorite hardware wallet.
1: Yeah, I agree. Like like you said before though, it's not time to panic. If you've already got a ledger device, it's it's fine. It's just going forwards. If you're looking at buying a hardware wallet or changing up your setup, maybe consider someone else other than Ledger.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, so that's it do yeah, do you have anything else? Anything?
1: Uh no, not specifically on that. Um I've got a couple other ones. Oh, here's a, here's a fun one. Um, OpenSats uh, grants long-term support to tobin harding so shout out to tobin who's uh, one of our regulars at the bitcoin bush bash and just an all-around legend um, he works on rust bitcoin which is sort of like a, it's a bitcoin library which supports projects like fediment um, ldk which is one of the lightning implementations uh, bdk which is a, a wallet library that's used by quite a few projects as well and then also electives which is it's, it's Basically, node no software. So, why is this important? Well, developer grants they're normally only about six or twelve months long. Being given developer like long term support by OpenStack just means that developers don't have like the uncertainty around you know when how they're going to pay their bills. If they if they only got funding for six or twelve months, it becomes very difficult. And then you know as they come to the end of their funding, they're obviously very distracted thinking about what they're going to do in the future rather than actually working on improving Bitcoin. So, congrats to Tobin. Great to see.
0: Okay, yeah, congrats. So another piece of news I've got is concerning Tether. So Tether is the stable coin. And um, so there's two kind of related news about Tether. So one is Tether has confirmed that they work, that they work with the U.S. agencies like Department of Justice, the FBI and such. But they work um, with them. And so Teve has said that the partnership has yielded significant results as, I'm reading this, as Teve informed, approximately 326 wallets with a top value totaling $430 million has been frozen in direct, direct collaboration with these agencies. Yeah, what do you make of that? It's
1: definitely concerning. Um, I think there is something to be said just for the size of Tether. Like Tether is just ginormous at this point. So um you can only get to a certain size before, you know, you're gonna become a a large target. And I think Tether's been being chased by the US government and probably every associated agency for a while now. So I think compromises were always gonna come at some point. Yeah. But it is concerning. You want them to hold out as long as possible. But yeah, at at the end of the day that that w- they will be targeted just because of their sheer size and influence.
0: Yeah. And but it, it's and because of it centralized. That's the key difference between yep. Tether and Bitcoin. Um, you can't really do that with Bitcoin because it's decentralized. Because, like Tever like that's why we like Bitcoin. That's why, you know, that's why we're so passionate about Bitcoin and why we we think Bitcoin has a future, because ultimately people want to use the money that's not controlled like that. And the difference is, yeah, it's completely centralized. So you're obviously going to have to comply with the U.S., what the U.S. government tells them. There's like us, there's a company behind it with Bitcoin. There's no company. There's nobody to go to. There's no Bitcoin CEO to that can comply. Like Bitcoin is mined everywhere in China, in Russia. There's no, everywhere around the world so that are processing and validating transactions so it's not really possible for the us government or any other government to do that which is what makes bitcoin so valuable because it's that's the key value it's permissionless money and um yeah it kind of i think it kind of shows the contrast of Mm -hmm. this kind of but to me shows the contrast between Tether and something decentralized and permissionless like Bitcoin. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, and um like it going back to what I said earlier also about um like I, I believe that in the future uh, countries would do international trade in Bitcoin. And it is because Bitcoin is this kind of permissionless um Neutral, uh, neutral technology, like just like the internet, it's like decentralized communications. Bitcoin decentralizes money, decentralizes payment, and, um, like looking at the like geopolitical, what's happening now, like with all the sanctions. uh, There's countries, for example, like Russia and uh, India. They're like they're doing a lot of trade. Russia sends sells oil to india and for that russia gets indian rupees which it has it can't do anything with indian rupees because what's gonna do it has a short ton of indian rupees but then if it wants to buy something from china it can't really use indian rupees to mm. buy something from china and normally like countries in that situation that's why they use the us dollar because the us dollar is kind of like a global currency that everybody used um because it, you can use it everywhere in the world but now that kind of global currency aspect of US dollar is going down because of uh, because of excessive inflation and devaluation and uh, of a currency and um because of the sanctions obviously many like there's more and more sanctions so um the answer is bitcoin and um it can't be like sense it can have sanctions and Um, and this isn't a statement of moral judgment like whether you know bad actors it's like the internet like bad actors or good actors use the internet there's we're using the internet now there's pedophiles who use the internet to communicate but because the internet is permissionless communication and um yeah bitcoin is permissionless money and i think um yeah, in the future, I really see uh, like in 10, in five, 10, 10 years, I really see countries doing international trade using the, using Bitcoin as we move away from the dollar. Because there's no other alternative. Like Bit- if you're not using the dollar, like Bitcoin is the best thing.
1: Yep, absolutely good. On to the next item?
0: Uh, I think like oh. that, that's probably it. That, that's it for me. Um, oh, okay. I okay. think we've made it like reasonably long. Um, I like got. Yeah, uh, do you have anything last to finish off on?
1: yeah well it's not really a it's not a recap from the last month it's actually forward-looking uh, actually, i actually don't know if you want to talk about this yet but uh so australian bitcoin week so we've got the bitcoin bush bash in Beechworth, uh which kicks off the uh, kicks off australian bitcoin week so it'll be 16th to 17th of march in Beechworth, victoria no costs no tickets required to shop have a great time and you can find more info about that in at uh, the website bitcoinbushbash.info and then uh uh, so hard sponsoring bitcoin alive so that'll be finishing up uh bitcoin week uh be on at the roundhouse at the university of new south wales which is in sydney and that will be on saturday the 23rd of march um and there'll no doubt be a whole bunch of satellite events in the late in that during the week in the lead up around sydney and then also we'll have the no doubt have the, the big finish up on the the sunday as well so get excited um you can get tickets at bitcoinalive.io
0: yeah 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 okay yeah yeah thanks for reminding me yeah that's yeah so we're sponsoring uh yeah bitcoin alive so that's like a pied conference and yeah it should be in sydney and um, obviously we'll be there and there's the bush bash which is like a smaller free event but a lot of fun i'm pretty sure I'm, i've been there in the past and i'm pretty sure i'll be there this year also like great very casual atmosphere yeah cool place to meet people so yeah I highly, if you can i highly recommend it. Um, yeah, so I think we can finish up. Yeah, sounds right? good. Cool. Um I hope everybody enjoyed that. And um if you liked some stuff or you think something we could improve, like feel free to give us feedback and see you next time.
1: Thanks. Gotcha.